This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. When I don't have responsibilities and there's nothing for me to do when I start slacking, there's danger. It's hardworking. We need to be hardworking. And just as the soldier gains approval of his commander, right? And just as a diligent athlete wins the prize, the hardworking farmer enjoys the fruit of his labor. Hard labor is necessary before a farmer can enjoy a bountiful harvest. Have you ever had to work hard for something that you really wanted? The Bible encourages us to do good work and warns us of becoming lethargic. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will be sharing about the importance that we as Christians have a good work ethic. Whether it's working as unto the Lord or working under a human master, everything we do should be done with excellence. This can be a witness to people who don't know Jesus. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. As he continues his message, A Good Soldier of Christ. You were called. You were called to suffer. You know that? As Christians, you were called to suffer. It said, for this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Christ set the example, the cross, the cross. The God that we serve, Jesus Christ, suffered. He died. We too will suffer. We will suffer. Jesus said this. You know, as a commander, he's out, he's out commander. He leads the way to the cross as he suffers. He said this in John chapter 15, verse 20. He says, remember the word that I say to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Now, for the sake, I just, and don't mind the change, I just want to add because we're good soldiers, right? We're private, right? And Jesus Christ is our commander. I want to read that verse again, but letting you know who you are and who Christ is. Remember the word that the Lord said to you, a private is not greater than his commander. If they persecute the commander, they will also persecute the private. And we're soldiers in the army of God. And it doesn't mean that we pick up weapons and there's a lot of different crazy, whacked out religions uh, under Christianity that think that the battle is physical. You look throughout history, you know what happened to crusaders and all these Christians are doing things on behalf of God. God doesn't need you to wipe out any army. He can wipe out the army without you. But it's not physical. After Christ, it was never physical. It was always spiritual. I had one, I met an individual who's actually he said, yeah, I just want to find a place here in Pennsylvania, and uh, I need to get land. And he, supposedly, he's supposed to be a minister somewhere in the city. I don't know. And he said, yeah, you know, there's going to be a war, and we Christians need to be ready. 
And he tells me, oh, but the first war, don't, don't fight that battle. The second one. I said, I was already lost, but I already knew he was lost. <laughs> because it's not biblical. <laughs> Jesus said, he who lives by the sword, what? Dies by the sword, right? It's not physical. The only time that I would get physical, if anybody comes into my house and tries to harm my wife and my family, we're going we're gonna to throw down Bronx style, okay? <laughs> A short guy from the Bronx had to learn how to fight, trust me. <laughs> but the reality is, that's when you have to defend. But we're in call to fight. Even when Peter, you remember when Peter pulled out his sword and said, you know, Peter, put away your, your sword. And even for Jesus, even to fight for Jesus. Yeah, we should fight for Jesus in the sense that, hey, if people mock the, the name of the Lord, you should stand up for him. If you love Jesus Christ and people mock Jesus, you need to stand up. How much do you love the Lord? That you can say, wait, listen, um, you know, don't use the Lord's name in vain. He might forget to wake you up tomorrow morning. You know, and there you take a stand. But we're not to fight physical. But a soldier of Christ is also one who's devoted himself to pleasing his commander, his Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's the way a soldier would concentrate on soldiering to fulfill the, the, the command by his commander. And that's what we're called to be as pastors, leaders, and even as Christians. We're part of the army of Christ. Verse 4, he, sa- he goes on. He says, no one, speaking of a good soldier, engages in warfare, entangles himself with the affairs of this life. And so a good soldier in Jesus Christ must not allow the ordinary affairs of life uh, to, to be the main object of his life. There is a mission. It is a spiritual mission. It's also, you know, fighting this world is also this, this spiritual warfare. It's also for yourself and for your family. It's for yourself and your family. But quite often, we, 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 we tend to fight other battles, battles that we weren't called to fight. Battles we weren't called to fight. I don't know how many here are, are served in the military. I'm not paramilitary for me with law enforcement, but it didn't matter, you know, what was going on all over the city. I was given a command to stand in a post or to do an operation, and it had to be on that location regardless of what's going on elsewhere. But sometimes we tend to look at other battles. There is a spiritual battle going on, and we can't win this battle if we entangle ourselves with the things of the world. A spiritual battle that's going on, and we can't entangle ourselves into a, you know, a battle between political parties. We're in a spiritual battle, and we can't be battling things over material things. Uh, there is a focus. There's an objective. And it's a spiritual warfare. And we need to continue on and, and stay the course. And so a good soldier, Jesus Christ, refused to allow earthly matters uh, to interfere with the fulfillment of his duty to his Lord. And when we follow Christ, who is what? He's our commander in chief. He's our commander. You know, one thing will happen because he's leading the battle. We will not maybe we will see victory. We will see victory because we're following Jesus Christ. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, Paul writes this, but thank be to God who gives us the victory through whom? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
First John chapter 15, verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, our faith in Christ. It is a battle, it's our faith in Christ. So he says, no one engages in warfare, entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. We serve Christ again, and we want to please him. When we have completed our mission, when we've completed the battle and overcome this spiritual warfare, we want to hear, and I want to hear this too when I get to heaven, from our commander, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That is the objective. That is the plan, to finish the mission and hear from the Lord. Well done, thy good and faithful soldier. Now, Paul changes the metaphor here from a soldier to an athlete, from a soldier. But the theme is being, uh, staying the course, being obedient to the command. And here's as an athlete. So in verse 5, he says, and also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. <laughs> uh, I don't need to get to the sports world today. <laughs> it's a mess. But yet we're being entertained by it somehow. <laughs> but um, as with any sport, in order to win the prize, you must play the game by the rules. Is by the rules. And so Paul is saying in the same way with the Lord. So in our service to God, you know, we see that we need to follow the rules. We need to follow the word of God and how we are to uh, walk in our faith, how we're to have church, how am I to be a pastor, the qualifications of the pastor. There are certain rules in the scriptures that we must uh, obey because it's the Lord's rules. And you know, it, we need to be faithful to the Lord. I've seen so many Christians, pastors, leaders have fallen, drifted away, disqualified themselves before even, even getting close to the prize, all because they did not maintain an unquestioning obedience to the word of God. He is stay the course, be obedient. Stay the course, be obedient. Now he changes the metaphor again in verse 6, and from a soldier to an athlete, now to a farmer. In verse 6, he says, the hardworking farmer must, first, uh, must be first to partake of the crops. And the emphasis here in verse 6, underlining in your Bible, it is hardworking. Hardworking. And that is in contrast to being idle, but lazy workers, you know, it's hard work. One thing I know for myself, and, and trust me, um, there's not enough days in the, in the week and hours in the day or days in the calendar. But one thing I know as for me, if I am not busy and I'm doing nothing, that's danger. When I don't have responsibilities and there's nothing for me to do when I start slacking, there's danger. It's hardworking. We need to be hardworking. And just as the soldier gains approval of his commander, right? And just as a diligent athlete wins the prize, the hardworking farmer enjoys the fruit of his labor. Hard labor is necessary before a farmer can enjoy a bountiful harvest. I remember years ago at a pastor's conference, his name is Pastor Damon Kyle, Calvary Chapel of Modesta, California. He's been a pastor and a great teacher for many, many years. 
And he just opened up one of the sessions in this pastor's conference with just, he had it all stand up. And, you know, as he does in his church, they stand up, which maybe we should do that. Not so good. Oh, it doesn't matter. But anyway, he had his one stand up and, and we thought we were going to read like a whole passage. And he just read this one verse and he had to sit down and say, oh, that's it. But it's amazing because there were farmers and there was ranchers in his church. So he actually did a, uh, you know, spent some time with some of the farmers and the ranchers. And he realized you don't call a farmer a rancher and a rancher and a farmer. That's offensive. He realized that, you know, ranchers deals with cattle, you know, farmers with fruits, whatever. But nonetheless, he found that how much work it took for a farmer to actually see the fruit and see the harvest. It took so much work. So much work. Now, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to farm. I can't plant anything. Everything I plant dies. I don't have a green thumb. But let alone if I want to plant fruits, you don't want me to grow any, anything you're going to eat because anyway. But you see, the farmer, there's a lot of work. You have to till the soil. You have to plant the seeds, water. You have to weed out. And then you have to protect it from other animals and rodents and birds and, you know, all kinds of bugs. You know, it's a lot of work going into farming. It's a three-month process, average. But then, it was only then, when you do that hard work, is when you see the harvest. When you see the harvest. And so for the farmer, that's what it's like. To see uh, the fruit of the labor. And I can tell you, and I'm grateful, you know, all that we do, we do unto the Lord. It's not for us to get any kind of glory. But I don't know about you, but when I start building something, I want to step back really quickly and hopefully see, hey, look at the work I've done. But, you know, when you start doing something and you don't see the, the result of it, you don't see the fruit for some time, you start thinking, wow, if anything am I doing, is it really worth any more effort? Should I continue on? But I like to see, my, I like to see the finished product, you know, when I do something. Again, when it comes to ministry, it's for the Lord. But I like to see the evidence of, you know, what God is doing in the ministry uh, in, in this church. And I can tell you back in 2007 to 2010, when I started pastoring a church there in East Harlem, full-time job and all. And at first, I didn't see much fruit. But I was encouraged by other pastors to say, listen, you just started in this, you know, Stay the course, just be faithful to teach the word. That's it. And that was the best advice I ever got. And to this day, I remember the tone of the voice, location, and who told me that, and that's what I stuck with. But I was able in the third year to see fruit. See fruit. And even to this day, I can see the result that Richie's sitting back there and Evelyn, they actually met in the church in East Harlem, got married. Now they have a son. And there's another couple like uh, Danny who just moved up. So we might get some more people from the city moving up. I don't know. But it just continued to see what God is doing. It continues on. And, I, you know, we were for a season from 2007 to 2010. And now God is still doing the work. And we're seeing what God is doing with the others that are continuing the faith in the Lord. And so... You may even say to yourself, you know, you don't see the fruit of your ministry. But you know what? We are called to be faithful whether we see the fruit or not. 
You, you, you've been called to do what God has called you to do. Be faithful to that and stay the course. Don't give up, even though it doesn't seem like it's anything. You know, I met so many pastors that were studying a Bible study, and, and they said, I don't see much. It's been like two or three people, and then two or three years, and oh, there's only 30 people, and then another year, oh, it's like 100 people. Well, keep on. <laughs> you, see, you get the point. You stay the course. If God calls you, you know that you know that you know that you know that God called you, not you called yourself because you wanted to be a pastor, but if you're faithful to the Lord, God is going to make it grow, and He's going to and He's going to flourish. It's going to grow from there, and that's something that I, I I continued on. And if it wasn't for this, the Word of God, where would we go? Where would Paul, the Apostle Paul, go? Where were any of the great men and women of God? Abraham, we're studying. You know, the Lord said, you know. At the age of 50, 75, and getting close to 100, you're going to be a father. At the age of 100, really, God? Uh, age of 100? I mean, he's an old man. He can't find the remote or even, you know, find the car keys, let alone he's going to be a father. But he remained, you know, even though they kind of messed up with Ishmael, you know. But anyway, you can see that, you know, all these years. All the, the, the saints of old in the Old Testament, how many years and generation after generation have not seen the promise of the Messiah? But he came. And you work hard. That's, that's the key word. Work hard in the ministry that God has given you. You keep planting. You keep watering. You keep weeding, fighting off the bugs. And soon and very soon, you'll see the harvest of the ministry and you will enjoy the fruit of the labor. Verse 7 He goes on to say, consider what I say, consider, meaning to understand, to take seriously. And that's what he's saying, Timothy, take what I'm telling you seriously. Not that Timothy would take anything Paul says there, but he said, I want you to consider, I want you to understand this. And it's not merely, it's not just my words. This is of the Lord. I speak to you as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he said, take all this into consideration. Yeah, it reminds us that, you know, when we see how Paul is telling, we think back how Paul tells Timothy, hey, consider these things. How often do we hear the word of God? How often we open the Bible and we don't consider it? We don't take the time to ponder, meditate on it. You know, we read it like a book. We read it like a text message from a phone. We need to spend time when we... Study the word of God to ponder, to meditate, to consider what you're reading. I mean, a lot of blood was shed for this. Yes, Jesus Christ, but other prophets were killed. Saints, the apostle Paul would be beheaded in just a matter of days after writing this letter. Men of God who, who, who sacrificed all for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here we are, we're reading the word of God, and you read it, and you read it, and, and, and okay, I'm just reading like a story. No, take what you're reading, ponder, meditate on it. Meditate on it. And you know, I know we're guilty of hearing the word, but not meditating on the word. And saints, we need to take time in meditating on the word of God. You don't have to read a, a whole chapter. It's good to read a chapter. But if you want to, you're one of those that would like to read a passage, you know, just kind of process everything. And then you ponder and you pray about it. Say, Lord, this is what I read. Lord, I don't understand. And that's what happens. If you don't understand, this is what Paul says at the end of verse 7. Look at verse 7. He says, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. He gives you understanding. The Lord didn't write the Bible to be so difficult. 
we make it difficult. Religion, denominations, scholars, professors, they make it difficult. It was never made to be difficult. We read the word of God for us to fully understand. If you get to a passage of scripture that you don't understand, then that means the Lord wants you to spend time on it. He doesn't want you to just fly by the book. You know, it's okay if you read the Bible through a year, and I encourage you to do so if you can. But don't just read the Bible through a year. But throughout that year, when you read the Bible, make sure you spend time with the Lord. <laughs> understand. You don't understand what he's saying. Lord, what, what are you saying here? You know, take, take that passage of scripture that you do not understand. Take it to your, your quiet place. And pray. He said, Lord, I, I read this yesterday. Or I read it last week. I still don't understand. I read it last month. I still don't understand. You keep reading, reading it. Keep, uh, you know, meditating on it. And God will give the understanding in all things, in all things. This is what Jesus promised to his disciples before he was crucified. He said, the promise of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. He will bring to remembrance all the things that I have taught you. And that's what God does. He, he brings to remembrance the thing you have, you have probably forgotten the word of God. But it's the Holy Spirit that teaches us. Wasn't it the Holy Spirit who inspired the Apostle Paul to write this epistle? That's the kind of when I begin the prayer, I got to humble myself to know who I am and to know who God is and who we're depending on. Is it Pastor Eddie's wisdom or is it the Holy Spirit? And it's the Holy Spirit. That's why I always say the Holy Spirit who inspired the Apostle Paul to pen this letter, to write to the, you be our teacher. I want to understand what the Bible is saying because it is so healthy for me spiritually. It is so good for my soul. It's so good for my spirit. It's so good for my life. And so we need to meditate. Consider these things. If you don't understand, Christ will make, will, will, uh, make it clear to you. So in verse 1 through 7, be a good soldier. Stay the course. Now in verses 8 through 13, Paul gives Timothy instruction to remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. In verse 8, he says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David. And when he speaks about the seed of David, it's talking about Christ's humanity. And for you Bible students, so, so you can know when it says son of man or the son of David, it is pointing to the, Jesus' humanity. When it says the son of God, it speaks of his deity, his, who he is as God. Because Christ is 100% man and 100% God. And so he says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of change. Paul, all he did was preach the gospel. That's all he did. Preach the gospel. And now he's considered an evildoer and they put chains on him. But look what he says at the end of verse 8. But, but. The word of God is not chained. You can't chain the word of God. I mean, you could chain a man like the Apostle Paul, chain a good soldier in Christ Jesus. You can chain a, a whole church, but you can't chain the word of God. You can't chain the word of God. You can't hold it down. The book of 1 Timothy is encouraging and inspiring, from one well-seasoned missionary to another. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, spurring a younger pastor on to great things. Isn't it great to live life in community with others so that you can mutually encourage others you're walking alongside? 
Even though Paul and Timothy weren't in the same area very often, those letters kept them united in the cause of Christ. We hope that you have this type of uniting with other believers. If you don't, we'd like you to know how to connect with us here. Go to our website at runningtheraceradio.com to learn more about the church that supports this ministry. At Calvary Chapel of Milford, we'd love to meet you this weekend and join with you in being part of a church family. Worshiping God and studying His Word together is something that should be done in community. To find out more, once again, our website is runningtheraceradio.com. We pray that Pastor Eddie's message on running the race has been helpful for you today. We'd like you to know that we pray for you regularly here at Running the Race, and we're so glad you're one of our listeners. If you'd like to hear this message again, you can find it at runningtheraceradio.com. While you're there, feel free to listen to other messages from this series or download them and take them with you on the go. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. That's all we have for today, but join us again for more as Pastor Eddie teaches from 1 Timothy on running the race.